To Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 141. 141 from our new studios <laughs> in Tenino, Washington. Yeah. We have relocated our podcasting studio into the home of Jonathan and Lindsay Ladd. And uh, I'm digging the new digs. I, I'm glad. I yeah. got a, yeah, I had a little more space on to do what to do with, deal with, excuse me. Yeah. And you had a little less. So I got I got sense. a sugar mama who's uh, opening up her <laughs> business in our house, and so I had to surrender an office space to her so she could make the money. And I've got an and, office uh, space devoted just to scratching my belly and, <laughs> and doing nothing. So it made sense. So it worked out. Uh, we're invading your video game space, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, today's episode is about God's wrath and judgment. And if this is a, a zone where you, like many Christians, battle to understand uh, a wrathful God or the judgment of God, and this creates some anxiety or tension for your faith, I think we're going to be able to help you today without illegitimately defanging judgment and wrath. Yeah, if anything, it's it's perspective changing or or better under, better good analogies for the nature of these things. I think it helps us. What it, what it does for me is we're going to help you, we're going to help you have a view of the nature of God that is not contaminated by the idea of the wrath of God. That's what it did Mm. for me. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Before we get into that, it is Joker story time. And if I understand right, you have jokes. I do have jokes. He tells jokes. uh, Huh? He tells, he has jokes. He has jokes. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to tell three jokes. Um, I'm going to tell three jokes because people say you don't do enough jokes. And so I got three. Yeah. We heard that one time. (laughs) (laughs) we listen to our listeners yeah we do that is true john what do you call a bear with no teeth Mm, i don't know gummy bear (laughs) (laughs) okay okay. all right so this aggie this aggie gets his wife he 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 can't tell if his blinker (laughs) you all right the Aggies, man. <laughs> keep, go, keep going. Texas A&M, if you don't know, Texas A&M are the Aggies. And in Texas, we tell Aggie jokes like some people tell Pollock jokes or blonde jokes. They're all kind mm-hmm. of the same uh, tribe. I should tell. I should have a one of these episodes. I'm going to tell a bunch of Chuck Norris jokes. Those are some of my favorites. There you go. Uh, Aggies. Yeah, Aggies. So uh, he can't. He he. Somebody told him his blinker's not working in the back passenger side. So he tells his wife, hey, go get behind the car. Tell me if my blinker works. So she gets back there. He turns on the blinker and she says, yes, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, no, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think maybe of those three, blonde Polak, I don't even know what that is. A Polish person. Oh, okay. Polak. And, uh, and Aggies. Aggie might be the only one that's still politically correct. Oh, none of those are politically correct. Not even Aggies? No. I mean, you can make fun of people for what sports team they like. You know, that's fun. That's that's in good humor. Yeah, but we you're insulting the intelligence of Aggies. You're you're treating them like they're idiots. Mm. That's the point of those jokes. Okay. One more Aggie joke, and this is in honor of the death of Sidney Portier, who died this year, this week, at the age of ninety four, I believe. Mm. Uh, phenomenal actor. Uh, did you hear about the Aggie that went to see the movie Guess Who's Coming to Dinner four times and guessed wrong every time? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty good. <laughs> Those are all three of the best jokes you've told on this podcast. Oh, get out of no, here. I'm serious. <laughs> What's their competition? The freaking, uh, uh, what was it? The one with everything? The hot dog joke? Oh, that was great. Make me one with everything. <laughs> That's on par with Gummy Bear. And the other two are better than that. Yeah, I would agree. Wait till I get to my Chuck Norris jokes. Yeah. We'll have a good time. Yeah. All right. So John, tee us up here on God's wrath and judgment. I had shared an aha with you about an idea I was playing with. And then after, just coincidentally, you did some reading uh, after that, and you came back and said, hey, I think this speaks to that, too. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of rolled on this. So let's set us up. So, uh, yeah, you we talked a little while ago about um, – actually, now I don't remember if this was on air, but I'll, I'll give some flavor context to this – about uh, viewing some of the – some things of the nature or reality of God and how he cr- works creation, like kind of just – the laws of reality, the way you know gravity works, uh, the way time works, and things like that. Things, uh, basically, the things of the spirit. So if you if you're wondering about like uh, living, what is it? What's that word I'm looking for? Uh, with salvation requirements, we just talked about it. Uh, I wish I could help you. I'm not tracking with almost anything you're saying. So well, I'm, I'm I'm teeing it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting the ball nice right on the tee, right in front of you. You can take a big swing. Okay. Um, standard of living. Uh, requirements so so conduct requirements righteousness what is righteousness exactly exactly so uh the aha in this case would be that uh the way that salvation works is if you are alive you do alive things and if you're not doing alive things and you wonder why can't i do that and be alive because that's that's what dead people that's what dead people do so it's just uh description description as explanation if that makes any sense at all but that's about as clear as mud so this uh, you're, and this was your aha, so I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll let you Yeah, so let me, let, me, let me have a try at this. Yeah, go okay, for it. Okay, so what occurs to me is that the wrath of God, which is an uncomfortable concept, uh, as is hell and judgment. And people tip- typically think of uh, a wrathful God, that he's on the edge of his seat. He's eager to pour out his wrath. And we think of things like Sodom and Gomorrah. We think of things that are, uh, you know, wrathful. Yeah. And uh, it occurred to me. Uh, in a conversation with another friend, actually, that wrath is a is a force of creation. That in fact, wrath is wrapped into the created order. So God is not up on His throne saying, "I'm going to pour wrath on John, but I'm not going to pour it on Betty." Mm. Uh, it wrath is built into the created order, and it has to be intercepted, not to be uh, a reality. Mm. So we are, the Bible says we are by nature objects of wrath. Why? Because in the created order, we're behaving in a way that triggers wrath. <clears throat> it's part of the created order. So it's universal. We all deserve it, and we all are recipients of it. And uh, wrath is not selective. It is, it is a given. It is a certainty, as is judgment. So it's almost, uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not personal. <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, it could be personal, but the point is, um, who determines how much wrath you receive? Turns out you do. Yeah. And it's maybe, I think of it like the tides, like something that just, it just is. Yeah. You know, that's a great way to look at it. The tides recede and they come, uh, gravity happens. We orbit the earth. You know, it's, we just had a new year, one more revolution around the sun. You yeah. know, that's, that's one trip around the sun. If we are by nature objects of wrath, you could say fish are by nature objects of water, maybe that kind of thing. Uh, by nature, yes, you could say that because of our fallen nature. Yeah. 
And so that has to be interrupted. But the thing that's significant to me is that, um, and when now we pivot into the judgment kind of conversation, that judgment is a certainty, and it's a certainty for all human beings because it's part, it's woven into the fabric of the way it works. And we would not like a created order where things like wrath and judgment are not part of it hmm. because they are so in, intuitively ingrained and um, they, they make the system complete. Yeah. So we would hate a world where people could kill someone all they wanted to and not have any justice or, or judgment. judgment. Yeah. And so it's, it's all wrapped in there. So you can be judged immediately. You can be judged in a delayed manner, or you might be judged when you enter into eternity. But your judgment is absolutely certain. And that's when you first started, uh, you first told me about this idea uh, with wrath. And um, and at first I could see kind of holes in it or, or questions that I didn't immediately know. Mm-hmm. You know, if I pulled on the third, I didn't know how far it would go. Right. And I think a big part of that is is timeliness. You know, if you think about, because uh, here, people do bad stuff and get away with it all the time on earth. It appears they do. Yeah. And so uh, I think zooming out on that, because it's true in general, it's just action and reaction. If you um, sin by being unfaithful, your marriage is pretty likely to explode at some point. Mm-hmm. And that is judgment. That is, you got you got what, what was coming to you. And so if that doesn't happen or, and, and if that, you know, marriage heals itself, that's obviously, uh, that's not, uh, well, that's, not a, it, that's not dodging judgment or, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's not it, like a it disservice. It doesn't heal itself. The, the wrath and the judgment is overcome. Right. Somebody's going to have to overcome that for that to be overcome. Otherwise it will run its course. Yeah. This but, is, a, this principle is misunderstood in other places and called things like karma. Mm, sure. So, uh, so karma is observing that people who do bad things have bad things happen to them. Well, you're observing this principle of wrath and judgment wrapped into the created order. Yeah. But so then I'm saying like, if you're looking at the, the cons, right, who are just rampaging across Asia for like however many hundreds of years and you're like the individual dynasties did not face comeuppance because they were the world power. You know, in this case, we view the natural world order of judgment or wrath as eternal, as eventually you will answer for those things or that person will answer for those things. And so the natural, uh, the gravity or however, I feel like we're missing one word that we're looking for for it. But uh, the force of judgment or wrath. The law of judgment maybe is the law of wrath. Yeah, yeah, is timeless. It is. And um, uh, I had a professor say in college that God judges nations in time but he judges people in eternity. Hmm. And it's interesting when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah, they're being judged corporately as a city sure. um, in time. Um, other people, uh, you could say that about Egypt in the day of Moses, <clears throat> but this is where the thread of commonality that helps me get my arms around all of it is not that, because what, what you tend to imagine is that God is selectively exercising his wrath and why you pour your wrath on me, but not on that guy. Yeah. And um, the reality is wrath is in the created order and I'm 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 colliding with it every time it's appropriate. Yeah. The same way you have you have to fight against you collide with gravity if you fall off a rooftop. Right. Um, So help me out here. A a, a little pushback Um, in times where, you know, like in the uh, uh, Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt and he says, 
you know, he's uh, leaving them there for a while because the sin of the Amorites is not complete. Right. So he's giving the Amorites a lot of grace, and eventually it'll be time for them to receive their wrath. And boy, that wrath is severe. I mean, dashing kids' heads across the rocks. I mean, it's severe. Yeah. So uh, how does that's that seems uh, purposeful on God's part? He has his will. He sees the future, and he says, "At this time, I will do this to them, but not yet." So that doesn't seem very natural in the sense of. Um, impersonal, like we're talking about it, like a force of nature. That sounds very personal as far as God made that happen for his own will. Yeah. So, uh, the way I would see that is that, uh, those people, the Amorites in this yeah. example, deserved wrath. Now mm-hmm. God, by his grace extends, delays his wrath for 400 years and causes his own people to suffer for those 400 years. Israelites are enslaved for 400 years so that the, the sin of the Amorites can run its course. Yeah. So uh, the thing that I love about this wrath conversation is that God wants to deliver us from wrath. He He hates the wrath. Ezekiel 33, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. So God is not excited about wrath. He's not excited about judgment and condemnation. So what does God do? He enters into creation and he allows creation to pour its wrath on him. Mm-hmm. And so it's not God up in heaven who kills Jesus. It is men who kill Jesus. It's the created order that pours out its wrath on the undeserving Jesus so that he can take the wrath of God for all mankind. So God isn't the one executing that wrath because that's, this is what really helps me with the congruity of it. If, if, uh, and he does on the cross cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's allowing that wrath to go on someone it's not supposed to. It's going unchecked when it's not deserved. And so, uh, but that wrath is not coming from God. It's coming from creation itself it's coming from the rebellious evil world of injustice so then again scratching for some analogies it's with the amorites it's it's uh storing up the water they're building a dam for the water and then letting it all go all at once Mm -hmm. so it's still the proportionate to whatever it was earned in the first place well the timing is different you know one of my sayings and you can take them for what they're worth (laughs) because but one of my sayings is uh god could crap on my head every day for the rest of my life and he has still treated me better than i deserve Mm. and so uh one of the first steps of getting your arms around the wrath of god is to acknowledge that there is no one not worthy of that wrath yeah and then so a a, a few more pushbacks okay Uh, at the very end we talk about the final outpouring of wrath where the the balance the the scores finally settled as far as you know the the final judgment so between now and then, between the beginning of time and then, is it that same the same thing with the Amorites, where he's just shoring it up and and giving people grace until he just till the end when it all has to go because that's the natural order of things? Or, or well, what? there you're gonna have you're gonna have the destruction of evil entirely. Mm. So the created order is gonna pivot to a new order, and so uh, at that point when he when he exercises that intensity of wrath and defiant victory. It is to bring an end to the created order and recreate the future. Yeah. And so to me, that's a, that's changing the rules of the game now because we're playing a new game. Gotcha. So then it would, the actual talking about this as a natural force ceases to really, it doesn't behave that way at that time because it's the end of that. Yeah. And God, of course, always can suspend gravity. You know, he makes the sun stand still for, for half a day in that battle. Is it Philip who he just like teleports at some point? Uh, yeah, he's, ta- he's talking, talking to those talking two to guys. And, yeah. yeah. 
and then just gets <clears throat> baptized as that dude in water, and then he's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so God is quite capable of that. Sure. But the order itself contains judgment, wrath, just like it contains love and grace and uh, goodness. The created order contains it all. And that's why in the garden, if you eat that fruit, you will surely die. Why? Because God will kill you? No, because the, the created order is designed yeah. that when a human being rebels against God and defies God, these things happen. It's in the order. Yeah, there's a— Just uh, like blessing is, just like uh, reward, you know, faithfulness, and the the fruits of faithfulness are woven in. God's not sitting there going, hmm, well, John, you you scored a 7 on a 10, <laughs> so I'm going to give you a proportionate amount of fruit. Right. You get to decide how fruitful you are, just like you get to decide how wrathful you are, because it's woven into the created order. I saw this uh, political cartoon that I've seen done into all kinds of things, but it's basically a guy riding a bike— and he puts a stick in the spokes of his own bike and flies off his bike. And in this in this conversation, he would say, why did God do this to me? Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I do want to say I'm saying this rather um, blunt, definitively. Mm. And it is a idea I'm working with that is helping me get my arms around uh, the wrath and judgment of God. It is comforting to me to know that God is not selectively executing his wrath. Sure. Uh, or judgment. That judgment is universal. It may be immediate. It may be delayed. It may be an eternity, but it's going to happen. I don't have to get revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'll repay. Uh, the law of the farm is not violated. Whatever a man sows, he does reap. Mm-hmm. And, and that that is a very natural analogy, too, that the Bible uses. Yeah. Just as far as you put things in the ground and they grow up. And yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I was thinking about a world where there is no wrath. Um, wrapped into that order, then a, a person could live a evil or wicked life, a godless life, and then get to heaven and say to God, or get to judgment day, and say to God, how dare you let my life go on completely favored while I was living in rebellion? You gave me no indication hmm. that my life was wrong, uh, and now you're going to judge me for it. Yeah, it would be it which would is be, it would be incongruent. The entire purpose of the law in the first place, right, to show people the is to show the, you the depth of sin of your sin. Last pushback. So, in your original wording of this, it was just wrath. We hadn't used the judgment word. It was just that wrath is this force of nature kind of thing. And then, in my reading through uh, uh, lessons from the saints by Maxie Dunham, which we've talked about before, uh, he again kind of you know uh, coincidentally uses the same idea, but he used the word judgment. And so then it kind of clicked for me because, uh, and it might just be our modern contextual language, but wrath is a very emotional word. It is. It's very personal. So it'd be like saying the, well, in fact, I was going to say it's like saying the law of love, which we do mm-hmm. have. We mm-hmm. have one of those too. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe this is an ongoing kind of seeming paradox with God where you can have non-emotional emotional laws kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. But I think wrath uh, the, is in the text, which is an ancient document and written with a Hebrew mindset. And mm. wrath in the Hebrew mindset was not as personal and emotional as we read it. So it is a little bit different used word there. Gotcha. Uh, but um, I think that the personal part is is what's so troublesome to people. Sure. is how personal his wrath can be. Uh, in Corinthians, when it talks about, 1 Corinthians 11, it's talking about communion and taking the Lord's Supper. It says, whoever eats and drinks this cup in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on themselves. 
So does that mean God's sitting on the edge of a seat watching everybody take communion? No, it means that in this creator order, in the way that you connect to God, the way that you defy God, the way that you rebel against God, the way that you disregard God, mm-hmm. these things um, create, uh, for the sake of allegorical kind of speech, wrinkles in the force. <laughs> and and <laughs> disturbance the, in the it's force a disturbance the in the created order, yeah. and it carries with it a con- – it's a rock in the pond which carries with it ripples. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. I think that's all my my quabbles, quibbles, quarrels. Yeah. (laughs) Now, um, there's a corresponding law that helps us get our arms around this, too, and that's the law of love. Mm -hmm. So just like uh, wrath is wrapped in the created order, so is love. And so this is where um, love has a a force to it. It has has a power of its own. And... um, that love covers a multitude of sin, for example. Yeah. And so love is this powerful uh, part of the created order. And when it is exercised, when it is communicated, when it is when it is uh, held and authorized, and, sure. you know, that it has a force. And when it is withheld, when it is um, sealed up, when it's when it's um, not shared, when it's imprisoned mm-hmm. it also has uh, a natural impact a universally powerful uh consequence so uh, it too is it, this is helpful to me to think of it that way and this is why in romans 8 when it talks about the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death so yeah. there's these two laws the law of sin and death this this judgment this wrath that's woven in there and then there's the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus and so uh, love becomes the anti-wrath. It becomes the most powerful force um, really in creation because it has the power to stop wrath. It has the power to uh, block wrath. It has mm-hmm. the power to um, liberate from wrath. And so Jesus would say, you know, um, if you do not forgive those who hurt you, neither will my father forgive you. This is the law of love. This is the law of love being withheld and the repercussions of that. And so uh, another way that I think about this is that hell has already begun at the fall. Hmm. And so hell is not just an eternal location, uh, destination, or punishment. People live hellish lives right now. And they do that because the created order uh, cannot be betrayed. In the same way that people can live an eternal uh, heavenly life right now. I, I'm living in the kingdom of Jesus right now while yeah. I also live in the kingdom of this world. And uh, so there's the power of God at play because I'm in his kingdom while I'm also here, the already and the not yet kind of thing. Yeah. So help me out. We talked about uh, a cause and effect with wrath as kind of just, you know, sin and the consequence of sin. Is there a equal cause and effect kind of relationship as far as the law of love goes? Can you can you think of any examples? I, I think that you know I was thinking of Einstein. <laughs> oh yeah, is it that isn't is it Einstein that with every action there's an equal equal? That's Newton. Oh Newton, one of his laws. Okay, of, what uh, is the law? Uh, with every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Equal and opposite reaction. So yeah. I think that's the kind of thing because I believe everything is connected mm. uh, in the way God has made it. And so I would say that Newton's law, it certainly is a, a part of both wrath and love that every, and you say, well, I've extended love. You know, my, I have a good friend, um, 
who recently passed away, and he used to say, no good deed will go unpunished because you do this act of love, and sure enough, uh, it, it it backfires on you. You don't sure. get, you know, whatever. I've heard you say <clears throat> that. I have because I'm quoting my friend. <laughs> and uh, it does feel that way sometimes. Yeah. And so you say, well, where, where's the where's the – Push, where's the repercussion or the equal but opposite reaction to, to the love I extended? Yeah. And the answer is it's there. It's it's in the created order. And it may be immediate. It may be delayed. It may be eternal. But it's there. In the exact same way as the consequences of wrath. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, okay. I've got – I'll tee up. Part two of this conversation is going to be uh, a recent resolution. I mean, as of today, recent resolution to uh, questions I've had about – you know, over and over, we see in the New Testament that everybody is judged. Again, the law of the farm. Everybody will be will receive a final judgment for the things that they've done. And uh, and this is in context of believers. This is in context of brothers and sisters in Christ with the you know, full the uh-huh. atonement of uh-huh. the blood of Christ, that they will be judged for their actions. And it always, uh, it always freaked me out and didn't seem congruous. And I think I have a breakthrough with that. So that'll be – we're going to get to that right after so your So you're – by resolution, you mean uh, you've you've been able to come to some clarity about this? Yes. I've, I've – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the accounts have been settled. Oh, okay. Or, or I'm, I've, it, it doesn't nice. keep me up anymore. All right. Yeah. Well, before we get to that, John, uh, walk us through your uh, media review today. Okay. This is uh, another jazz album. This series might never end because there's a lot of them. Uh, I believe I should have been keeping a journal of the albums I've talked about on here, but I think I've done one Coltrane and I think it was, uh, my memory is that you've done one Coltrane. Yes. I, I, I think that is the case. So, uh, that ain't right. Probably. So I'm going to talk about one that is not, uh, I've talked about a, a few more niche groups and this one is definitely not. If you've listened to any jazz, you've probably a lot of time, a lot of people probably recognize this. Uh, album cover just from, you know, just from osmosis, just from seeing being alive in the 21st the century cover. in America. Yeah, really. It's uh, Giant Steps by John Coltrane. I'll show you. What do you think? You recognize that? I do. Yeah, told you. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is the great one of the greats, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, most people, the popular answer is that that's kind of blue by Miles Davis, which is phenomenal. It's, it's as good an answer as any. Sure. Uh, but this is up there. This is, you know, in contention. And uh, it's insane. the The starting tempo for the first song is is ridiculous. The pianist, uh, and this is not the kind of things I notice. This is I've learned from my uh, musically very talented brother in law and from other people who are have better ears than I do. But the pianist actually can't keep up in the starting track of Giant Steps. Mm. You can hear him just falling behind sometimes because <laughs> it's just it's insane. And he does this for a lot of the a lot of those songs. Um, it's really really great. It's uh, I don't know. Is the word quintessential what I'm looking for? It is like the modern jazz album. Uh, I was talking to you and Dallas about this earlier, but uh, jazz pre Coltrane and post Coltrane, that really is a, almost how it breaks down. It mm. it, it really does. The, the, as we know it, if you hear, if you listen to this, you go, yeah, this sounds like jazz music. And if you listen to a guy like Duke Ellington, you'd go, this sounds like jazz, but different. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that split. So this is uh, one of the all time greats. Normally, I give you a track where it's like, hey, if you're not feeling it by this track, just go ahead and give Tap up. Tap out, yeah. Uh, and it's honestly probably just Giant Steps, the first track. I mean, and you might even recognize it. On Spotify, it has 15, 19 million plays. Wow. So uh, uh, ubiquitous is the word I'm looking for. This album is, as far as jazz goes, ubiquitous. But it's now, not I, I don't know what ubiquitous means. I think it's just, it's like, uh, 
The Beatles. Everybody knows a Beatles song. Everybody. So ubiquitous means universally known. Yeah, I think. If I'm wrong about that, let us know. <laughs> okay, so I was thinking about sure. quintessential the last couple of minutes because you, yeah. you used that word, and I'm thinking of the etymology of that. Quint the five. Is, quint is five. Yeah, I don't know. Essential. So it's the fifth essential or five Top essentials. fives of all time or something Maybe like so, yeah. Well, I don't know. But that's, <laughs> that's my album for this week. Uh, go ahead and give it a listen if you are so inclined, and we'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining him on his mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's not copyrighted if I'm just doing it with my mouth. No, you know, it's you not. You can do it whatever you want. That's not even from the album I just talked about either. That's from a different album. Uh, welcome Name back, that everybody. Tune, John. That is, uh, it's on Zigzag, or it's the title track, or the first track on Zigzag, or a different album I haven't talked about yet, which I will later. But I was showing my dad it beforehand just because it's, <laughs> I love it so much. Anyway, when I was going over what album I wanted to talk about. <clears throat> Uh, that's a sneak preview of what I'll show until there you go. some other week. Two it'll weeks it'll sound just like that. It will. <laughs> You'll go, I've heard this somewhere before. <laughs> uh, welcome back. We uh, have got a lot of feedback recently, and it really is just the best part about this. It is. Uh, uh, a couple that uh, messages on Instagram. Oh, really great talking to them. Uh, John Corcoran, who's been on here a few times, he sends us sometimes big write-ups of of his thoughts and opinions on episodes and their, their blessings every single time. Oh, they're very helpful. They make us think more. Oh yeah. And I will say that the timing of it has been impeccable because right when we're at maybe a level of discouragement or wondering if we're doing this, if this is worth, you know, the effort to do it, boom, we get one of those and it really puts a shot in our arm. So thanks yeah. for the feedback. Absolutely. Okay. So to tee it up again, this is a, a long term. This is an extension of, you know, I've had a lot of, back and forth with myself on grace and works. It's just kind of been an ongoing thing. I talk about it pretty regularly. This is an extension of that where with a, um, atonement focused, grace focused, uh, faith that I had for my whole life, you know, to hear Jesus say, I will repay everyone for what they've done. Mm. I go, what? I hope not. Like, <laughs> what's the whole point of this? You know, that just, that just sounds a lot like the old way we did things. And you, so, so your understanding of that is that's even for Christians. Yeah. He says mm -hmm. it to Christians. And it, okay, so so I'll bring up I'll bring up some text. This is what I was reading that that uh changed my or gave me uh a different perspective on this. Okay. So this is James 2 uh verses 12 and 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And to be clear, James is not written by Jesus, so no, no, I'm, to, yeah, yeah. So I'm just wanting to make make yeah, absolutely no. That's a good good distinction. Um, 
And I think that that quote from Jesus is actually in Revelation. So that's a prophetic okay. uh, word from Jesus, uh, not in his time, in his ministry on earth. Um, so this is along in, in that same vein. Yes, you will be judged, but act as if you'll be judged by the new law, that law of love, the law mm-hmm. of the spirit and of freedom and of life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you mentioned earlier, you know, Jesus saying that uh, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It's the, it's the. The forgiven servant who goes on and right. doesn't forgive the debt that he is owed. That's a pittance compared to what he was saved from. Right. So, uh, so this to me says, yes, you will be judged according to the law that you lived. You have two choices. You can live by the law of sin and death and be judged by the law of sin and death, or you can live by the law of the spirit and of life and be judged by the law of the spirit of life, which might not have an eternal damnation alternative to it because you're living in the spirit of love. Right. Uh, but you still uh, lived in that, in that law of the spirit of love to a certain degree. Yeah. And like you said, uh, love covers a multitude of sins. So I wonder if it, in the spirit of, in the law of the spirit and of life, you know, it's not that it's, again, it's not a numbers game. It's how many good deeds do you do that to cover up your sin, but it's just that force of love. You you're living in that. That's what you're judged by instead of by wrath. You're judged I, by I love. would look at it like this. I, I have this theory that, um, there is a reward system in heaven. That some will get in by the skin of their teeth and have no rewards. Sure. They got in by the grace of Jesus. And even after salvation, maybe they died. Maybe they uh, found God's grace seconds before their death. Maybe they didn't ever do much in the law of the spirit of life. Um, But some will have big crowns, big rewards. Mm -hmm. And so what we all get to do with those crowns is not brag about them, compare mine to yours, but I get to lay them at his feet uh, one last time. And so. Um, and bring more glory to God than, than yeah. you could have otherwise. Yeah. So when you think about this law of the spirit of life and this law of love and mercy, which is specifically what we're talking about. Yeah. The, the law of love and mercy, which is our new law, um, that that there are, there are um, real outcomes from that as well, both for living in it and for defying it. Yeah, and so the words of James being judged according to the law of love and mercy. Again, if you're looking at some kind of uh, um, you know obscure scorecard with the law of sin and death, right? It is all action. It is all what did you do or not do according to the law, right? So here it's it's uh, we have this one's built on grace first off, and the what did you do or not do is all proactive according to mercy and grace. It's all how much love did you give? How yeah. much did you you know how merciful were you with your neighbors? Um, you know, just before and after this, James is talking about, uh, not being, uh, um, uh, choosing to be kinder to rich people over poor people and, and choosing to perfect your tongue. This is all about, uh, living for people. This is like the self death book. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the book, the book of the of Bible, I mean, the book of James. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know if you've read this far in the Maxi Dunham book, Dunham book that we're reading, but, uh, there's a quote in there. I forget by who. Uh, about about love and <clears throat> that when we love someone because they love us you know you ever say man i love that guy yeah there's always a reason you would say that because they really make you feel good they're awesome they're kind blah 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 sure and con- conversely you say i don't i don't i don't really i don't like that guy at all <laughs> yeah and so our love is very typically built upon it sits upon what we feel and what we receive and so um, that is not that's not the law of love. Mm-mm. That that is 
that is uh, loving what you get. And so this this quote was about um, when the when the foundation that your love for someone sits on is removed, where does your love go? Yeah, it's removed too. And so the only foundation for your love is the love of God. I love you in Jesus' name. I love you for God. I love you with God's love, and I love you because God is in you, and I love you because God made you. And this is a foundation that no matter what you do behaviorally, that foundation doesn't move. And therefore, my love has something to sit on. Yeah. Um, And this is the law of love and mercy, where Jesus would say, if you don't do that, if you don't forgive, if you don't extend grace, if you don't extend mercy— uh, there's a, this is wrapped in the universe. There's a, there's an impact from that. There's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I forget who the quote is from in the Max Dunham book, but basically do you love a, uh, your neighbor because they're uh, handsome or well-to-do or they give you things, they, they mow your lawn for you or they shovel your driveway for you, or are they just friendlier? You know, it's easy. There are people who are hard to love. That that's not wrong. You know, that, that's that, a, that is a fact. That's a fact. So, <laughs> um, is the, if the foundation of your love for your neighbor is built on their qualities, again, that's that's that weak foundation. When that changes, when they don't have those qualities anymore, what does your love do? And see the divorce rates in our country. This mm-hmm. is no joke. This is what happens. People are married. They commit their lives to each other based on what they're currently getting or expecting to get. Yeah. And when those expectations go unmet, now the love is gone. And that never was love. This author, is gone. <laughs> this author would say that's that was never love in the first place. Yeah. And uh, that was appreciation. There you go. Yeah. We mentioned this, I think, a couple weeks ago. But uh, it, earlier on in the book, a guy is talking about self-love. And he says, that, you know, you can only at first your self-love is the same way you love. Uh, you know, is the same kind of love as that other one that the, the first kind of talk about with the neighbors where it's built on your qualities or it, or mm-hmm. non qualities. You either like yourself or dislike yourself and you hide those um, those what's the word I'm looking flaws for? flaws or, yeah. from yourself and for others so that you can love yourself. Uh, and the true uh, the true love of self, you, you get rid of the original one. You're filled with the love of God and you see yourself the way that you are supposed to love your neighbor. So you love yourself without. Uh, any kind without of without bias or yeah. without slant. Yeah. So really, the love of God is not just um, make yourself into garbage so that you can love others. You mm-hmm. receive that in the same way, and if you can embody that, you embody it towards yourself and others. Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible, and I hope I feel like I haven't done as great a job translating this aha uh-huh, as I wanted to. Well, but, tell me how this fits in because uh, the C.S. Lewis quote, uh, I think it I think it impacted you the way it impacted me. But uh, he said, uh, God's goal for you is perfection. And there's only one force in the universe that can stop him from achieving that goal. And it's you. Mm-hmm. And so this is really what we're talking about, that when you're talking about the law of wrath or judgment and the law of love and mercy, you are the catalyst both for enjoying or um, encountering the outcomes yeah. uh, of that. And so it, it's it's both a judgment and a promise. Mm. So it's a judgment in that you can't escape. There's no, there's no way to avoid this. This is, this is built in. Yeah. It's also a promise. Hey, it's built in. Yeah. And so as you align yourself with God and you live in the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God, there is a fruitfulness that comes into your world. Um, Not because God's now you're one of his favorites, but because he wove it into the creation this way. Yeah. And it's not that you are now, 
because of the blood of Christ, you're now justified in the law of sin and death. You don't win on that law ever. ever. No, nobody can. Mm-hmm. You're justified in the law of life it's, in the spirit. Yeah. So it's really, I don't know. And it's, it's tough because we've talked many times about the actual elevation of, or really it's, it's a, it's a deepening of the law. And it's, it's not just what is your, you know, what do you do with your body? It is, what is your heart like? And that's all that it is. And yeah. that law of the spirit of life is a hundred percent heart motive intention. Um, yeah. And as God changes the intentions of your hearts, you know, the, these, uh, monastic people, uh, who was that guy who was a dishwasher at a monastery? <laughs> we did a whole episode on him. I forget. Father, uh, wasn't it, it? It was, I forget his name. Me too. That's a, I, I, I shouldn't bring him up. If I can't remember his name, but his whole thing was, you know, you can, uh, glorify God with, with your dishwashing. If your heart is in the right place, you yeah. know, that is a, that is worship. That is a holy act and yeah. a worshipful act because yeah. of your heart. So it's uh, terrifying without the spirit because you can't make your heart do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really terrifically beautiful with the Spirit because it, it's a miracle. And I think this is a weird way to finish this, but I think predestination, when people talk about uh, he predestined some, mm. uh, that that it says that those he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of a son. So God actually, when you when you live the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, God actually accelerates that, mm. and it has a it has a disproportionate power to it sure uh i think that's where you see the newton's law fall apart (laughs) that uh in the law of wrath and judgment there's an equal and opposite reaction in the law of love and mercy there is a multiplicative an exponential uh uh and opposite reaction sure that it actually yeah it's not one for one it's a multiplier yeah yeah that's beautiful uh do you have a big takeaway from this conversation um yeah, I think my big takeaway is that is that uh, the depth of the knowledge and the wisdom of God is staggering. Mm. Um, who can know His ways and who can understand uh, the creation? That uh, and so this brings me the biggest thing for me is this brings me great comfort in the overarching wisdom and fairness and justice of God that He doesn't selectively execute His wrath and He doesn't selectively give favor and goodness. Hmm. He built it in so that we could enjoy it or have to confront it. But it's built in it's regardless. Built in. Yeah. That to, yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on that because I've had, and we've been looking for a way to make this into a full conversation, but there's just not a ton of meat to it other than the simple power of it. Mm-hmm. And it's on just the uh, fully accepting the sovereignty and authority of God. Uh, there's a, uh, in Job, one of the people who, not one of his three friends, a, a young guy, I forget his name, but comes up and talks to Job. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, for like three uh, verses, he's like, listen to me talk. And he just says that like on repeat. <laughs> uh, one of the things he says is, you know, uh, it's fear and dominion are with the Lord. He establishes peace in his highest heaven. Uh, who can number his armies and on whom does his light not shine? Wow. And later on, uh, I think it's Matthew. I can't remember who who uh, quotes that, but he says, you know, the the light of God shines on the wicked and the good, it shines yeah. on everybody. Yeah. And uh, basically, this to me, as far as the built into creation, is just a recognition of the depth down to the cell of the sovereignty mm-hmm. of God mm-hmm. and the will of God. And uh, you could, there's just no, there's no escaping it. There's no escaping it. It's Bob Dylan. You got to serve somebody. Yeah. And and. It, it, so the bad news it is there's the guy no escaping it, and right. the great news is there's no escaping exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. That nothing can separate you from the love of God yeah. because he's down to every single molecule yeah. in all creation. 
it's really I think it's it's beautiful, and I hope that this again an area that is very anxious for a lot of Christians. Yeah, it can be the the understanding of the nature of God in that can be beautiful in a in a absolutely. tough way. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. You can reach out to us on Instagram, Jim and John. Love to have you uh, DM us there. Uh, there's also a link tree there. You can get access to all of our stuff. Uh, com. You can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John ever. And, uh, man, we're just really grateful. Tell a friend. Share the episode. Uh, send us an email or, a, or a, a piece of communication in some way. And know that we love you. Awesome. We will see you guys next week. Thank you.